0: As you read Psalm 126, you see that it is talking about captivity. And right away, it's very easy when you see captivity to think, oh, this is after the captivity of 70 years of the children of Israel being taken, some, many of them to Babylon, and now they're looking back on it. That's where my mind goes right away. But it is pretty certain that this is not referring to the captivity because the timing just is not right. How do we know that? Because Charles Spurgeon said so. That's how we know that. No, uh, you know it's it's so funny that uh, preachers are such knuckleheads. All of us, but we and First Corinthians says so. But anyway, uh, we we uh, we say I don't believe it just because a man says it, and then we read that Charles Spurgeon said. Oh well, Spurgeon said it, it must be true, but. Um, Spurgeon has written what is pretty much the go-to commentary on the book of Psalms. It's called The Treasury of David, and yeah, I would recommend that you get your hands on it. It is is—it is not the, your, your average commentary that you just go, man, I have no idea what this guy is saying. It's very readable and enjoyable, and you can get it in digital format so that uh, it won't cost you quite so much. Anyway, didn't mean to do a Spurgeon commercial there, but all that said... It is a pretty strong consensus that the captivity spoken of here is not talking about the captivity. It is referring to a particular hardship that the people as a whole had gone through. They might have been referring, I don't think so, but they could have, just for example, been referring to uh, something they went through in the times of the judges. Or any number of things that they went through. I would show you, uh, if you look right under the title there, Psalm 126, it says, A Song of Degrees. A Song of Degrees is a psalm that they would sing or chant together uh, as they would make their way to the house of the Lord, as they would make their way to the temple. In fact, there are some of these songs of degrees, that the various songs of degrees that were used at various times. Some of them they would sing as they took steps up towards the temple. Some they would sing as they left the temple. Anytime you see that song of degrees, and if you look uh, at uh, the page that I'm looking at in my Bible, just about every one on both sides it says a song of degrees. These are songs that they sang as they went to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. So, they're singing about, some event in the past when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion we were like them that dream it was like a dream that came true so we were in some sort of bondage some sort of a difficult place have you ever been in a difficult place when you said is this ever going to end I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because we all get discouraged of how many of you feel like you're there right now oh it would be unanimous wouldn't it anyway but then all of a sudden we were like them that dream, because the Lord turned again that captivity. And what happened? Our mouth was filled with laughter. Our tongue was filled with singing. Then said they among the heathen, everybody that knew about us in the captivity that we were in, the Lord hath done great things for them. And then in verse number three, there's a statement. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we're glad. But now it appears That at this present time, they're in trouble again. Look at verse 4. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. So just like He did it last time, we had a crisis. Do it again. And then they state the wonderful principle that we focused on this morning. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What I want to do tonight, I want to do my very best to try to personalize this for you, to try to use this psalm. Psalm, All Scripture provides us with tools, and the psalms in particular provide you with tools that gives you different kinds of help at different times in your life. And what I hope this psalm will do for you is show you how past victories can give you present faith. For those of you a moment ago when I said, how many of you are in a captivity right now where you just feel like Is this ever going to end and you were wishing I'd asked for a show of hands because your hand was about to go up. Let your past victories give you present faith. The longer you know the Lord, the more ammunition you have to draw from to say, well, he has come through every time before. He's going to come through now. Sometimes we, we, were, we had a, you, I won't tell the whole story, but you probably heard about our electrical crisis last week that was still related to the storm from over a year ago. And it looked like When I was in church two weeks ago today, I could see absolutely no resolution in sight. None. I thought, we're going to be two months without power because of what the power company had told us we had to do, and it was just so impossible, and even if we had the money, it was going to take The the first guy, the first electrician I talked to said, I'm just preparing you. This is a long, drawn-out process, and I won't go through all the details, but Sunday, I'm looking at it saying, this, this one, you know, I trust the Lord and everything, but this one, there, there's no way out. This one, there's, there's no solution to this one. And it was all, I mean, we got the paperwork to show you, it was all the electric company's fault, but there was no resolution for us. So, Monday, we got some hope. Wednesday, everything was fixed. And by Friday, only because the electric company dragged their feet, it was by Friday we had our power back on. At that time, I thought today, now, we would still not have power. And I didn't see us getting our power within weeks based on what the electric company had told us. But as soon as it got resolved, it was one more reminder to me that when you take it to the Lord, He has solutions. He will fix things, and if he will fix problem A, he'll be there for problem B. You're never going to come to that problem where God goes, oh, that one, that, that one's out of my control. I got no answers for that one. No. So I hope that this psalm will show you how past victories can give you present faith. Four simple thoughts. First of all, verses 1 and 2, the epic past. Let me show you where that came from. I didn't. I wasn't trying to make up a uh, uh, an outline here. I was reading this psalm. In fact, I believe I was reading it in the dark because there was no electricity. And um, all of a sudden, it hit me. Once I realized that this was not talking about the captivity, it was just talking about a captivity in general. And then all of a sudden, I assigned the word captivity to something I've just been through. All of a sudden, my mind, when I read that again, went straight to Thursday, June the 27th. Thursday, June the 27th through July 10th. Now, I'm going to put this in a nutshell, but I want you to identify some epic part of your path. When I say epic, I'm talking about something that stands out. At the time, it was just a a nuisance or a crisis or a, some kind of a negative that stood out that, that uh, came along. But now as you look back, you say, no, that was a landmark experience, an epic experience in my past. And so as I read this about, they're referring to something that everybody understood. This was a crisis that everybody knew was a crisis, an epic event in their past my mind right away went to June twenty-seventh of this year. June twenty-seventh of this year, I was I'd been scheduled to to preach the, the closing service Thursday night at New England Baptist Teen camp. And as you know, for weeks I've been battling a cycle of chills, then fever, then hallucinations and vomiting in, mixed in there. I was part of it, too. I've been battling that for, and every time I thought, oh, it's over now, it would, re, it would happen again. But it stopped that past Sunday because I was getting ready to call Brother Barnes, and say, I'm sorry, there's no way I can preach Thursday. But it didn't happen Monday, didn't happen Tuesday, didn't happen Wednesday. I came and did church Wednesday night. I said, okay, we're going to be all right. But by Thursday afternoon, as you know the story, at 4 o'clock, I mean almost 4 o'clock on the nose, I relapsed, and I got such a fever fever. And, oh, it was horrible. And we I, we had rented a car to, to make the trip, and I had the air conditioning on full blast. And uh, actually, no, it started with chills, so I had the heat on full blast. And then it went to fever. And, uh, oh, it was just terrible. By the time we got to the camp, I, I, I said, Amy, the only thing that's going to give me relief, I know this sounds crazy, the only thing that's going to give me relief is let me lay down on the ground. <laughs> and... I'm laying there, and I said, plus we had, I said, if you can get some ice, just let me suck on the ice and put put ice on my head, you know put it in a towel, put it on my head, whatever that's the, that that would be that would be relief so here's these kids, teenagers they're away at camp they're at Christian camp. What a delightful thing, and they're coming out of the cafeteria on their way to the place where they're going to have the service at night. And there's this large man laying in the grass over there with two uh, and on ice. And so they're coming up and, and the junior hires are coming up. And I I mean, I'm laying there. I can hear him going, is he dead? And uh, my wife said, no, he's fine. But then some senior hires came up. Good guys came up and said, Mrs. Vassett, can we do anything? And she said, yeah, could you go find some ice? And they went into the kitchen and got just, just. And I remember laying there with my eyes closed, no energy, no strength, just absolute agony. Anyway, so the service started at, I think, 6.30 or something, 6 6 o'clock, actually. 6 o'clock, and they said, but we're not going to be ready for, for the preaching until 7.45. They play games, they sing, they do all kinds of things. 7.45, maybe start at 6.30, but I do remember 7.45. So I laid there thinking I don't have the energy to get up at 7.45. But I told Amy, 7.45, I'm getting up, whatever it takes. I'm getting up. I'm going inside, changing my clothes because I was soaking wet. I did all that, and something about it, the Lord just gave me strength. I got up there. I sat in a chair and preached. I preached about 20 minutes, and uh, the altars were flooding. My, my, my plan was to zoom out the back door while Amy was playing the invitation and um, she came up and I mean, I, I had to fight the crowd to get out the back. That was the only way out was to go down the center aisle and brother Barnes. I just saw him again at the, he's told me three or four times. And I just saw him again at the Sunday school conference. He said, I'm still getting comments from teenagers and parents alike about the impact that that Thursday night had folks. That was all God. I'm not an incredible preacher. That was all God just for some reason doing something that night, and I'm just blessed to have been a part of it. From there, it was a week later, and again, I thought, okay, it's gone. And then it came back. I was able to watch fireworks at our normal place on the 4th of July and up and down until, as you know, finally that next Sunday, I go to the hospital, and by... Wednesday, July 10th, they had amputated my leg. Now, uh, my, my foot, my left foot. You say, Pastor, you didn't, you didn't tell us anything we didn't know there. We've heard that story 50 times since then. I know that, and I apologize. But I told it because as I looked back just a couple of weeks ago as I was reading Psalm 126 and thinking about when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, and think about how to think about how he took me from that epic event that i will never forget that series of events to now i am healthier right now than i have been in several years i feel better than i have in several years i am more comfortable preaching i'm getting more things from the lord as as far as just Incredible truths so that I, I have a hard time picking which ones to preach, which ones not to preach. I, 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 the, the ideas are flooding my mind and my heart. I'm getting so many answers to prayer. From that time of crisis to a wonderful place that, that the, my problems aren't all gone. There's all kinds still ahead of me. But the epic past, here's why I brought it up. Because if you would think about it, you could remember some crises in your life that you thought it was the end of the line. You thought it couldn't get any worse. You thought it would never end. And as you look back, you can identify the Lord stepped in. And it doesn't mean that all of a sudden then your problems were all gone. Hopefully we've all lived long enough by now to realize our problems are never going to be all gone. But you can watch him deliver you from a current crisis. You can watch God step in and say, okay, I'm, I'm ending this one. I'm giving you resolution on this crisis. The epic past. and verses 1 and 2, you see them address the epic past, which results in verse number 3, the joyous joyous proclamation. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Verse 3 is the people rejoicing about what God had done for them. Don't ever stop rejoicing about what the Lord has done for you. Don't ever stop giving God the praise in private and in public. Don't ever stop shouting amen, glory to God, hallelujah, God is so good. Don't ever pass up an an opportunity to give the glory to God, to thank Him for His goodness, to praise Him for His awesomeness. The joyous proclamation that is why we sing and we sing and we sing that is why we we learn new songs and we take the time and we we stand up and and sing and we testify why because we need to make that joyous proclamation the lord hath done great things for us and by the way other people need to hear us testify the lord hath done great things for us Because there will always be another desperate prayer. Verse 4, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Turn again our captivity. God, I need you again. Lord, do it again. Listen, I hope this doesn't discourage you. It's meant to encourage you. But this cycle is never going to end of... Captivity, bondage, trouble, desperation, trials, followed by deliverance, which should result in praise, and then a new level of captivity, bondage, trial, difficulty. It's never going to end, and it's not punishment. It's not chastening, excuse me. It is God strengthening you and building you. And it's not as horrible as I'm making this sound. Who, who, would, who would want to be saved with, with what you're describing? Here's the thing you had problems before you got saved. But here's the difference between the problems before you're saved and the problems after you're saved. The problems before you were saved were random. The problems since you've been saved have a purpose. God is taking you somewhere. He is making you stronger. He is building for you a wonderful, a great life and an incredible eternity. But there's a process. And can I tell you, the more difficult you have it, the more of an indication that is of the great thing that God has for you in the future. If you look at your life, how come? How come it just seems my life is so especially hard? Okay, let's let's address that in thirty seconds here. First of all, if you're honest, maybe you could look back and say, "Well, I I did a few things to help the problems along." But there's another side of it that you say. But but at the same time, it just does seem like. There's a consistent pattern of, how come God's building you? He's not the one hitting you, but he's building it and he's using trials to strengthen your relationship with him. The epic past, the joyous proclamation, the desperate prayer, and then verses five and six, the hopeful principle. They that sow in tears, shall reap in joy he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him Let me, can, I, can I bring it all together here I based this morning's message and I won't address it again how come there's a sounds like a soul winning verse in the Old Testament but it is a wonderful verse that we based this morning's message on where did that great principle come from in verses 5 and 6. It came because the people of Israel had faced a captivity. They had faced some tears. And the Lord brought them through it and they shouted the victory. And by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's been recorded for us the great principle that they learned. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. How do they know that? How do you know they that sow in tears shall reap in joy if you've never wept? How do you know he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him? If you've never been through that, if you're going through a captivity right now, Let me remind you of how God has delivered you before. Remind yourself of how God has delivered you before. Let me testify, as the children of Israel did, the Lord hath done great things for us. Let me testify, listen, I've been through some stuff, but the Lord has done great things for me. You're his child. He's your father. He loves you. He's got you. He's got you. He's going to bring you through how I don't stop trying to figure out how and just focus on your loving heavenly father. Trust him. Keep your heart close to him. Keep throwing these captivities to him in prayer. Lord, I don't I don't see the solution, but you know it. Please help me. Please be specific, by the way, about the needs Lord, I don't know what to do about this specific thing. Name names. Hey, if you don't think what you're facing is fair, tell him. Don't tell everybody else. Tell him. Uh, Maybe at some point I'll preach on this, but I read a phrase from from Psalms just uh, uh, probably a month ago where David prayed and he said, Lord, how long wilt thou look on? And I saw that and I said, Lord, I would never pray that prayer myself, but David prayed it. So I'm just going to quote him. How long wilt thou look on? But let me testify to you tonight. if, If you are in a situation where you're going, I just cannot see any resolution. I cannot see any end to this tunnel. He's your father. He loves you. He will bring you through. Trust him. Follow him, obey him, seek his face. He's got you. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy.